Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem, we'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. We are now in James chapter 3, and we're just starting a new section about taming the tongue. And... I just love this book of James. I don't know about you guys, but I really do. So this, I mean, it's been such practical advice that we've had so far. Remember back in chapter one, we talked about faith. You know, we need to have this fatherly focus because we want to consider that there's a purpose for our life. We want to have this active attitude when we and always asking in prayer for wisdom. So we want to be always changing when the word of God needs to help us grow. And we have to have this attitude of joy when we've when the Word of God is in us, because it's going to change us, and it's going to put us against the world. The world's going to be against us, but we are changing to be more like God, not more like the world. And the invitation for trials and tests are is inevitable. It's not if uh, we have a trial or a test coming our way. It's when. So whenever we have that, we need to be asking in prayer for wisdom. We have to have an active at, uh, attitude. That attitude needs to be joy, joyful, and we need to have um, that active part about us that we're actively growing through uh, the trials and tests that life brings to us. Because they're coming from God. The trials and tests are from God. They're not random God has a purpose for our lives. And he says the trials and tests will be various kinds. The little ones, the everyday little things, to the, to the big trials and the big tests. They're coming from God. You're not being tempted by God. God doesn't use evil to tempt good. And we need to have a holy humility. A holy humility for this heavenly harvest. Whether you're poor, God put you there. He put you there so He could exalt you through your faith. You're wealthy. God put you there. He put you there for the purpose of showing others how He will eventually have to humiliate you to bring you down because you can't depend on that wealth. And so God has a purpose in all of our lives, showing all of us how we depend on Him for our crown of life. That's our purpose, for Him to bless us 
through our faith. And we talked about, so that was kind of a synopsis of chapter one. In chapter two, we, we came over to putting all of this faith into practical things. We talked about the difference between faith and works. You know, Paul talked about, you know, the fact that, you know, you can't be saved by any works that you do. What saves you is your faith, and that's true. We can't, we can't do anything because Jesus has already saved us on the cross. We can't work our way to heaven. But James is saying, once you're saved, you've got to, you've got to produce the fruit of your faith, and that's your good works. And it's like a plant with roots. You can't see the roots um, underground. You can only see what the roots produce. The roots of the plant is like your faith. And the fruit of the plant is what you can see. And he says, faith without works is dead. It's just like a root in the ground. If the root in the ground doesn't produce anything above the ground, you know the roots are dead. So faith without good works are is dead faith. So we don't want to, I mean, anybody can have faith. He says even the demons have faith. So our faith needs to be active faith. It needs to be a changing faith. It needs to be a faith that when we have trials and tests, we um, we depend on that faith because that's what God is giving us in life. And we have to produce things, godly living And James says, how do you do it? You just do it. You put God's Word into action. And McGee was saying the best translation of the Bible he's ever heard is the doer's translation. That's what people can see. So we talked about that and and, uh, yesterday also about the, the danger of trying to judge one another. Now we're coming to, he's, he's, now James is getting even more personal. He's getting right down to the individual. Now he's getting down to the part of the individual probably that can do more damage to you producing good works than probably any other thing. It's one of the seven things that God hates, that God hates. And we see this back in Proverbs chapter um, 6, um Verse 16, he says, there's six things that the Lord hates and seven that are an abomination. And one of those things is a lying tongue. A tongue that lies. What we say with our tongue really, really matters. And this is something God hates. And we ought to be mindful of it. And James, you know, drills down on this. Because he just got through talk, you know, talking about living a godly life and producing fruits of our faith. What's gonna What's gonna mess you up? Like what's gonna mess you up to produce fruit? He puts it right after his discussion. He he puts it right after his his reminding them how important it is to be doers of the word and how important it is not to judge others. How important it is to produce. Good works with your faith. You need to produce good works with your faith. You've got to be changed by your faith. But he's saying how you put that into application, the the thing that that is your signature, the thing that is your um, best projection of who you are in your mind and in your heart is how you speak, what you say. 
I've read some research one time that said most people only hear about 10% of what is being said to them. This is like in... Like for sure in lectures, when you go to hear somebody speak on something, most people are able to hear or retain maybe 10 or 15%. Most of what you're taking in is how they say it, how they deliver it. We really depend on that, believe it or not. And it's like if somebody's yelling and screaming, you don't really hear what they have to say. If someone is kind and gentle, You are listening to them, but what you're really responding to is their kindness. That's powerful information. So James is saying that, too. He's telling us how important the tongue is. So we're only going to look at a few verses because this is so important. And McGee spent a lot of time talking about this. But let's just read these first verses. Chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. He's saying, look, right off the bat, I don't want everybody out there trying to teach. Why? For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. you got to be really on your game to be a good teacher. Why? Because you have the, the potential to lead people astray. Look what happened to those false teachers in Israel. When Jeremiah was trying to warn them, or Hosea was trying to warn the 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 um, the northern kingdom, and Jeremiah was trying to warn the southern kingdom, remember how you know all those teachers were telling everybody it was okay, you know, and nobody really needed to repent, and and the um, Israel would never fall as a nation, that God would ultimately protect them, but people weren't listening to the prophets saying, look, you got to change your life. you got to repent. you got to do God's ways, not your ways. How important. How, look, at, look at all the suffering that occurred because of people's tongues. And it's just a few people. You can have a few people at the top saying what they want to say. And look how many people get lead, led astray from that. And, and James is saying, not many of you should presume to try to teach others. you got to be careful. Verse 2, 4, we all stumble in many ways. And that's just a real short sentence, but man, that's packed with, with, uh, with knowledge right there, huh? James is sort of using this stumbling as a metaphor for sinning. Everybody sins. Everybody's stumbling. And it's another metaphor um, in the, that we see in the New Testament. Uh, Paul uses the, the uh, metaphor for, of walking with the Holy Spirit, you know. And uh, we saw in Galatians 5, I believe it's verse 25, as as we're walking in the Holy Spirit, that word walking is uh, comes from the root word stokio, which means sort of a walking, and then you get up, and then you walk, and then you get up. It's sort of a walking by trial, like a child learns to walk. So walking in the Holy Spirit, but we all stumble. We're all like children. We're all stumbling as we walk. We're all being changed by the Word of God from these people who are imperfect But we have the Holy Spirit living inside us. 
but we're we're continually being changed. But we stumble, but we all stumble. In other words, everybody, even somebody who presumes to be a teacher, will stumble. So you're being taught by a sinner. So we got to be careful as we teach and as we grow from the teaching, as we grow together, we know we stumble. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. Now, this, this is sort of a forward-looking, and my study Bible says it's almost like you're, you're looking to heaven because nobody's perfect. Only Christ was perfect. But if we don't stumble, that's a perfect person. But we're trying for that. We are trying to be more like Christ, the perfect man. And the only way we're going to achieve our perfection is one day in heaven. We will be, we will be with Him in heaven. But right now, we have to depend on our faith. We have to understand the, 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 the high likelihood that we have, that our tongue, if we don't control it, can hurt somebody. So if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Okay? So if you can control your tongue, you know, you're probably able to control what your body's going to do. Your tongue is a window into how you act. Verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So he's saying, if if you're a perfect person, if you're a perfect person and you can control what you say perfectly, you're more than likely to be a perfect person that you've mastered the ability to control your whole body. That's how hard it is to control your tongue. Because the tongue is so easily out of control. And that's what we do to, to try to control the whole body of the horse. To control the horse, you, you control the, the bridle. The bridle, you know, puts it in the mouth of the horse, control the whole body. And so for us, we wanna you wanna you wanna you wanna change, you wanna be more like Christ, control what you say and how you say it. Verse 4, and he he gives us another example. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pirate directs. In other words, you've got this teeny little rudder can move the whole boat in the middle of all these big winds. It's the rudder. That guides the ship. It's the the bridle, the mouth of the horse that guides these powerful animals. And it's that little tongue inside you that's the window into who you are and how you act and the way others perceive you. The way you carry yourself. Verse 5. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. 
The tongue can be such a small little part of our bodies, but man, can it talk about big things. It can talk about war. It can talk about peace. It can slander people. It can destroy homes. It can destroy marriages. It can make false accusations. It can throw slander. It threw slander at the Lord Jesus Christ. The little tongues of men falsely accuse the Lord. Doesn't it feel terrible to know people are talking about you? Doesn't it feel terrible when you know people have said something about you that isn't true? One of the biggest things that I see with children when they get into fights is because they argue. Or one person says something and I don't agree with it. Or the other person says that's not true and this is not. And then they blame each other. I didn't do it. He did it. He made me do it. Or she, she, she wouldn't leave me alone. You know, the tongue, no matter what our bodies do, the tongue is so active, so fast. It even moves faster than the bodies do. And then after a while, your bodies have to follow what the tongues have set up, you know. The argument's already on. And now people, the bodies act a different way. They follow the lead of the tongue. Hands on chest. Hands in the air. Walking away. Stomping. Throwing things. Punching people. Fighting. And leaving. Growing cold. Growing bitter. Hearts changing. Look at all the things that all start with the tongue. So James has put out something here that will definitely destroy the good works that you try to do, the fruit of that plant. Remember, your faith is like the roots below the ground, and above the ground is what you can really see, what your faith is really producing. But things like the tongue can destroy your good fruit. James James is saying, don't let that happen. When you grow in the Word of God, when you grow with the Holy Spirit in you of Christ, make sure you work on learning how to tame your tongue, how to control your, your speech, That's how others see you. That's how others learn from you. That controls your body. That controls the directions of your paths, like the directions of the ship. That controls your body's behavior, like the horse with the bridle. And there's nobody who needs to um, take this for granted. And as James said, (laughs) the, the person who can control their tongue is a perfect man. And he's saying, none of us are perfect, so you better not take it for granted. Don't take this warning for granted because you will not honor God with a loose tongue. It's one of the things God hates. One of the things God absolutely hates. So be careful. What a great uh, bit of practical advice. You want wisdom? He just gave it to you in one big... One big nugget right there. So um, we'll end here. This is our schedule for today. We'll take up right here tomorrow as we continue our study of James in chapter 3. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, hope you're doing great. 
And I look forward to hearing what you have to say today. So for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And we'll see you next time.